0: from Westfield, and you're listening to Vampires, Witches, and Geeks, a podcast about vampires, modern witches, and geeky stuff. This is episode 10, and it was recorded back in September 2008. Today's guest is author Jamal De Fiosa. In 1998, ten years after the death of the founder of Alexandrian Witchcraft, a handful of witches camping at a secluded site in New Hampshire began experimenting with the spirit board. The results of that experimentation led to a book called A Voice in the Forest, Spirit Conversations with Alex Sanders. And tonight we have Jamal DeFiosa, the author of that book. Jamal, Welcome to Vampires, Witches, and Geeks. Wow,
1: thanks. I don't know which one of those categories I fit into, but we'll just go with it.
0: <laughs> well, I've known you for a while now, and you don't strike me as a vampire, so um, I would say you'd have to be a witch or a geek. Uh,
1: there you go. Well, maybe a little of both.
0: Maybe a little of both. Um, Jamal, as I said, you. your first book was A Voice in the Forest, which is... A narrative retelling of an actual event, and that happened is 1998. The correct year?
1: Yes, it started in 98. The actual uh, circumstances around the strange communication that started in 98 um, expanded until probably about the year 2006. So uh, the the second edition of the book, which was published by Harvest Shadows publication. Expands the uh, the chronology of events all the way up until 106, and it tells a more um, complete story than the very first edition, which just captured 98.
0: Now, you obviously have had a lot of experience with mediumship. Um, how did that come about? When you were young, did you did you see dead people, as they say in the movie? You know, I think that um,
1: most people when they're young have a a certain level of paranormal activity. The reason is, from my perspective, that we are all psychic. We're all born that way. There's no exemptions. And it's only as we mature and we learn from our peers, from our parents, from our teachers, from our spiritual leaders, that this is all our imagination, quote-unquote, that that starts to go away. But when you're young, I think we're all pretty much on, So, yes, as a child, I was seeing spirits all the time. These spirits were just as real to me as as the people that I encountered, as my parents were. But I thought it was all very natural.
0: It must be sort of like when someone moves to a city and, you know, the first night they stay in the city and they hear the sounds of the sirens and the people talking and arguing and the loud music blaring. They hear all of it, but eventually, after they've been living there, for many years they don't hear it anymore because they've made themselves block it out
1: i think that's a very good analogy you just become uh, accustomed to what was once very uh, astounding it's become very um, mundane and very ordinary so you know it's it's a dulling of the census that occurs as we mature and it's very sad because i believe that that natural state that we're born into when we're just alive and everything is a miracle and anything as possible is really the ideal state that we need to get back to as a doll.
0: Yeah. Now, you've written another book, and but this one goes more general. You just talk about spirit communications in general.
1: Yeah, the first book really had a very niche market. It was about British traditional witchcraft and about a gentleman by the name of Alex Sanders in particular, who was one of the founders of, of British traditional witchcraft, The book is interesting uh, beyond that in the context that it involved a group of people who kind of stumble upon a spirit who's been dead for 10 years, who still has much to say. And the things that the spirit has to say, of course, are not just about the subject of British traditional witchcraft, but about what's going on in the afterlife, the nature of deity, um, the perception of, of the living toward the dead. It's pretty, pretty deep stuff. So beyond that, though, a lot of people, I think, were left cold because they didn't really know who Alex was. They didn't have any interest in witchcraft as a religion or even in theory. The second book that I've written dwells on the subject of spirit communication. It's called Talk to Me When the Dead Speak with the Living. And it's almost finished. It'll be out by October of this year. This book addresses the subject of spirit communication in a a much more general way without adhering to any particular philosophy about how this happened. I believe that this second book talk to me will appeal to anybody with a sincere interest in the subject of spirit communication, without applying any particular religious philosophy or or, or theory to how this happens. It's simply very straightforward, very down to earth dialogue about how anybody can communicate with people who have passed over and and how to actualize that in our own lives. If 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 it's something that we really want to do
0: I remember one time I ran into you at a party and it was in a very old house and the bathroom was upstairs and you had gone upstairs and you came down and you were speaking to the hostess and you had met one of her ghosts could you tell me how it appeared to you because I had used the same bathroom earlier that evening and I didn't see anything except a bathroom.
1: What's interesting is that I believe that spirits appear to people or are, per, are more specifically perceived by people in a variety of ways. And a lot of it has to do with how the individual allows themselves to be open to the experience of, of, of the paranormal. Many times it's just a sensation or a smell or something that, is, that you you can pick up with one of the five very you know basic senses that we all have in that particular case, I remember it. It was a very interesting old house. I actually went up the stairs and saw uh, a man dressed in black, standing at the top of the stairs. It was very physical and very dense. It was like there was an actual person there. Um, I perceived that it was somebody from a different age and time because of the way the man was dressed and the fact that when I spoke to him, he just stared back and he didn't greet me in a way that that somebody that was there in the flesh would have greeted me. Uh, And so that, that, I think, really unusual for me to see something that solid. Usually it's more just a sense that something is there or a feeling that something is not quite, you know, of this world.
0: And just in case our listeners are thinking, oh, well, obviously Jamal was imagining it, when you came back downstairs, you mentioned this to the hostess, and she said, oh, yeah, that's one of our ghosts, and proceeded yeah. to describe him. And
1: Yeah, it was amazing because I didn't know. Of course, I knew this was a very old house, but I didn't know that there was a resident ghost there. It turned out to be the man who actually either built the house or was one of the original owners of the house. And I, And I described him to a T. And then later saw, I believe, a drawing or a painting of him. That matched what I had seen, so it just verified that it was definitely one of those moments.
0: Now, you're living in an older house now. Have you gotten any impressions there? I'm in a wonderful house. It's
1: 300 years old, and I'm on the second floor of the house. The house was originally built as a tavern in the 1700s, and the room that I'm actually sitting in right now was the upstairs of the tavern that was used as a dance hall, for lack of a better way to describe it. uh, There's a fireplace, a big hearth, where they actually baked bread and and put the food in that they fed people that visited the tavern. And then in the corner, there is a little uh, indentation next to the hearth. And I'm told that a fiddler would sit on a chair or a stool in that corner and play music until all hours of the morning while people dance. The previous residents of this house told me that they would awake sometimes uh, in the still of the night, two, three in the morning, to the sound of fiddle music coming from the room that I'm sitting in, and that they would walk into the room and the music would stop. And it was perceived as being kind of like a flashback that was just occurring of things that happened 300 years ago. I want very much to experience that, but it, that has not happened to me. But what has happened in this house is pretty much the kind of stuff that you hear about a lot. Uh, doors open of their own accord, uh, locks that are locked become unlocked. And there was this very strange thing concerning bread that I'm still trying to figure out. Whenever a loaf of bread is brought into the house and it's wrapped you know, from the market in cellophane with a little twisty tie, the, the bread, it, you can put it down anywhere in the house and walk away, and if you come back three minutes later, the t- twisty tie is off the bag, the bread is open. The bag is open and the bread is out. So if there's something in the house that's obsessed with bread. And I really think it's a spirit that used to reside here that baked the bread in the hearth the way it it was done 300 years ago. And I don't know, maybe they take exception to the fact that you're buying this (laughs) pre-made bread from the grocery store and you're bringing it home. It's like an insult. I even attempted to bake bread one day to appease this spirit, but it turned out really badly because I'm not the best baker in the world.
0: (laughs) Yes, who knows which would offend them more, the the plastics and additives to modern bread or poorly baked homemade bread. I don't
1: know, but it's an issue with the spirit, whatever he or she is.
0: Now, we're coming upon the time of year. I believe in witchcraft, they believe that the veil between the worlds is thin, as we come up to what mere mortals call Halloween. Do you actually notice the difference in an increase in spiritual I do. There, there is time? a lot
1: of truth behind that particular belief, and it basically is that there's one time a year when the 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 veil, as the witches would call it, that separates the world of the living from the world of the dead, which is always pretty. Then is completely lifted. The dead can go into the world of the living and vice versa for one night, and that is said to occur on Halloween night, or long before we called it Halloween, it was called Samhain, which was the witch's sabbath. So that particular night, there are so many wonderful, wonderful pieces of history and myth about this particular time of the year. That particular night, the common people, the pagans, as they called them, the peasants, would not stay in their houses, but they would go out into the village, into the country, and they would disguise themselves as spirits. And they would roam through the woods and the fields and the village making noise and celebrating and, and feasting and drinking. And the thought was that they were blending in with the spirits, and the spirits really would know who were living and who were dead. It was all a wonderful commotion of everything happening at once. And, you know, you can see that, of course, in trick-or-treat, which is just great to to really know where that tradition comes from. But yes, the witches believe that this particular night, the veil, is very thin, and I believe that that's true. Where I think people actually miss the boat is it is possible to communicate with spirits any time. It's not just relegated to one night a year. It just happens that on this particular night, it's easier than at any other time. And anybody can encounter the dead on Halloween night, quite incidentally. It's not that you even have to um, try. I mean, it's just that they, they mix in our world. And it only happens one night a year.
0: So are you going to make any special arrangements on Halloween? Like, for instance, I know that many years ago you lost a cat that was very dear to you. Do you ever, like, leave out a bowl of milk? Although that would be hard because you now have two cats. (laughs) I
1: know. They would think it was
0: an extra treat. Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: What I do on Halloween, and it's something that many, many pagans do in general, is that I put offerings of food out Uh, and this again goes back to ancient Celtic customs they believe that when the spirits pass through that night that if you leave them offerings you'll appease them you'll you'll refresh them on their journey and they won't cause any havoc in your home or distress you in any way or frighten you in any way and so what what i do it's just again it's symbolic in that it doesn't have to be this one night but at or on halloween I put out food for the people in my life that I've lost, the people that I love that are no longer living. I'll put offerings of food. Perhaps I'll make their favorite food. And, yes, certainly I've lost a couple of wonderful cats that I miss, and I will put out some treats for them as well.
0: Uh, we're coming to the end of our interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um,
1: would buy my new book be out of line? <laughs>
0: Not at all. And I'm sure, you know, I've read your first book, you're a wonderful writer, you have a a warmth that comes through in your writing, and people usually get quite a bit out of it, not just on the uh, factual level, but get a lot of good feelings from your writing so i'm looking forward to it myself
1: right and you know i just want to assure people that if they pick up talk to me what they are not going to find is white light tunnel metaphors and mumbo jumbo and you know this kind of thing only happens to the selected you who are so spiritually adept that you can't imagine i really sincerely believe based on my life experience that speaking with those who have passed over is as simple as the conversation that we're having now. We put all of these mechanisms in place. We build walls. We separate ourselves from it because we don't understand it. But it's so simple. And why wouldn't we want to communicate with people that we love that just happen to no longer be in the world of form? And that's what the book's about. So I really hope people will give it a check and check it out.
0: Well, thank you very much, and I hope to have you again sometime. Good luck with the book. Thank you for having me. This episode of Vampires, Witches, and Geeks is sponsored by just Works, a company that provides computers that just work. No need to configure anything. They make and sell scratch-built Linux-based PCs that will amaze you with their ease of use and power. Say goodbye to viruses, trojans, and spyware. For more information visit their website at www.justworksnh.com. That's it for this episode. You can find the show notes at podcast.morvenwestfield.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to hearing from you. You can leave comments at podcast.morvanwestfield.com or at my main website, www.morvenwestfield.com. Click the link that says Contact Me. Don't forget my contest. For details, listen to Episode 9 of Vampires, Witches, and Geeks, or see the website at podcast.morvenwestfield.com for details. This podcast is copyright 2009, Morven Westfield. but It is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Please see podcast.morvenwestfield.com for details, especially where music and interviews are concerned.